Today, we're going to be talking about our predictions for China's expansion in the 2020s. We're also going to be talking about the first ever indie record. I'm Joe. I'm Josh. You got questions? Yo, feeling grounded. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling Grounded with your hosts, Josh and Joe. Oh man, how you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. I had a light week this week, which was great. Had a lot of time at home with the babes. Did a lot of babysitting with the twins and the kiddo. And the, the babies. The tod, the tot. And it was, uh, it was good, it was nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, normally the thing about that is like it's it's great, but it's it's hard at the same time because I can't just like do whatever I want. So it's not like those days are ever productive. If I'm like home and have the babysit, then I'm just literally just babysitting all day until mm-hmm. people come home to rescue me. But it's still it's still <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what do you great. what do you do with your time with them? Give me a play by play. I sit there and I tend to them, tend to their needs. We will play. Well, I'll put them on the ground so they can sit up a little bit. They can work on rolling. They can work on just, you know their the core muscles mm. while they're playing with toys. And then meanwhile, Eli is playing with trains or running mm. around or coloring or something. Yeah, they're rolling around so much because to them their head weighs about like six hundred pounds. <laughs> exactly. It's like their their yeah their head is like you know ten times the size of the rest of their body. It's like way too big. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you seen that interview with Kevin Hart before where he like pretends everyone jokes he's, he's a baby? No. And he, there's, there's like a like a sound guy or like a producer or something that comes out and is like holding his head for him. <laughs> and then every time he's like, oh, he's just like, I got. It's like you're a marionette. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. So I feed them and then we have nap time and usually during nap time, which is like if I can get all three of them down, which happens like once a day, then I take that time and they try to do something. Mm-hmm. Either go outside or I do stuff on my computer or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But outside of that, just being with them and playing with them and reading the books and feeding them. And What did you read today or yesterday, I should say? What books did I read yesterday? All kinds. A little bit kinds. of Go Dog Go, little uh, cat <laughs> yeah. in the hat. Yeah, always got to do those Dr. Seuss books. I don't care what the world says or the culture says about Dr. Seuss. He's a classic. It's great. I actually, I bought a couple of Dr. Seuss books for uh, family because they were like miniature versions from Target yeah, that, yeah, that they yeah, sold a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, but it's interesting that you said that this was kind of a light week. I would agree because it's amazing how we feel like that a week could go by fast. I don't even think it was that pressure filled. And I would have thought if a pressure filled week would make it go faster this week, I thought would go incredibly slow, but no, um, I was still rested and rejuvenated for the most part. Yeah. Good. It's time for happy crappy. Happy crappy. (laughs) <laughs> it's a little like so, zooming getting into the camera <laughs> I, I can see your nose hairs start trimming <laughs> yeah, you too actually 
you know, that the... kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the one? Not Bruce Almighty. What's the other one with Steve Carell? Evan Almighty. Evan Almighty. When he has the scene where he like takes the razor and he like does his nose. Have oh yeah, that what's that tool? I, I'm always right. afraid to use that tool if it did. Well, he, he he just uses a straight up like a razor, like a face, like shaver, like like a disposable. Oh, he, he goes in his nose. Man. Remember? Yeah, that's <laughs> just okay. like oh. It kind of makes me cringe a little bit. I'm not even right. like t- touching my nose. Mm. Right. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, let's start with the crappy first. Okay. Give me one. Warm me up a little bit. Sure, sure. So I what I've been doing this week is um to dissuade myself from eating out. I went and got groceries and um I have a kitchen just down the hall in this building. And it has, it has a fridge in it, microwave, all that stuff. And so I got a bunch of groceries. You know, I got some yogurt, and a banana, and blah, blah, um, bananas. And I've been, I'll make lunch after work. Because I'm usually done by like one o'clock. And then I'll come in here and then mm-hmm. just to kind of unwind a little bit before going home. And so I've been disposing of the garbage and stuff in my trash can in this office. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good idea. <laughs> The second I came it's in here, hotter. it's getting yeah. hotter. Oh boy, it was a stanky. <laughs> as soon as I opened this door, <laughs> I was hit with a wave of old yogurt and banana peels. Oh, disgusting. I, I know was, that. I was ralphed in the moment. <laughs> so I, I emptied the trash can in a different <laughs> and down the hall in a meeting room. Down the hall. <laughs> Is that your happy? No, that's my crap. That's my crap. Oh, okay, okay. Is okay. The, the office stuck? <laughs> that'd be a good one what 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 sound was that that i just heard oh uh, they have sports outside all the sports fields are like oh, right outside my window see, i thought that that was like some nuclear blast like <laughs> alarm <laughs> yeah right our last podcast <laughs> i don't care what i don't ca- i don't care what's <laughs> happening in the world like it's just our last episode no <laughs> no people it's not our last our last episode it's not no by all official records usually the eighth episode is everyone's last episode so we have to get past that people but, usually not, quit after but not ours we don't give up yeah we're not giving up we're gonna keep going <laughs> yeah so that was my crappy my office smelled horrible I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna go a happy first to kind of counteract this, just because it lines up with my story with my crappy. You know. Yeah. Um, but um, what happened to me yesterday? Um, I in the middle of the, it was like six thirty in the morning when I was driving to work. I had seen a couple homeless guys around that area. Um, they were in the like respective areas kind of far away from each other and then I saw them I was like I know those two because uh, I hadn't seen them for about a month mm-hmm. and then what if because I was uh, some really inspirational music was playing and I was like what if they came over and lo and behold one of them did and so what, what did I do I had some food just prepared because I have a lunch uh, that's all prepared uh, that I prepared for myself the day before. Right. Th- thank Andrew from the Breakfast Club. It's just mm. never ending. Yeah, <laughs> all, yeah. all my Breakfast Club people out there. And what did I give him? I gave him fruit. I gave him banana, an apple. And he asked me, uh, like, that'll go into the crappy later. Um, but yeah, um, it, I felt good to give him that food. You help him out. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. 
Good. <laughs> All right. Do you want to just go right into your crappy? I probably should. Um, the crappy involving that scenario was he asked me for, um, he asked me for money for coffee. I said, I'm sorry. I don't have any cash carried on me. Um, and then he handed me back just the apple. I handed him the banana and an apple. He handed me back the apple and I said, Oh, you don't want the apple. And he says, no, I, I don't have any teeth. Um, and, and I had not even noticed. Um, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't have, like, he, he was kind of covered, uh, his mm -hmm. lips. Um, and yeah, I felt bad that I just didn't have any cash. I, I felt like it, it was because, you know, you, you have something in the back of your mind that even if I did have the cash, I'd be kind of hesitant to because you never know what they could use that for. But right, I, right. I didn't. I didn't really think of them. I just thought about like I didn't have any. And then the guy behind me at the traffic light uh, had the audacity because I noticed the traffic light had just turned green. Um, after oh, he honked he, you. Uh, yeah, he honked me literally one second later, and I just thought the nerve on this fella. You know, know. he sees you helping this guy, and then yeah, um, yeah you true. never know what that guy behind me could have been going through. Maybe his wife was pregnant, or so I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah. I try to think of myself in that moment, but uh, yeah, that that bothered me throughout the whole part of that day yesterday. Yeah, uh, I, bet, I bet it did. Yeah, stuff like that is never, never fun. Yeah, I I couldn't uh, picture it. You know, going could have gone of any other way mm -hmm. yeah it was tough but i tried yeah. to but I, I i did a good thing regardless yeah exactly so i commend you joe that's good I commend you all right my happy so i didn't crappy first did you want happy first i want anything. and then i and then i want crappy first <laughs> <laughs> i was like now nah, i'm doing my own thing all right so happy <laughs> We're almost ready for our new home. We're like really close, actually, which is pretty cool. How, wait, how the long? Mortgage, the, so, well, technically our contract says we can close May, we can close on May 15th. Okay. It's like the earliest date. Mm -hmm. And I think we sh we can do that. I don't know if we would be allowed to go any sooner, but um, our end is basically done. I was talking to the, our mortgage lender yesterday and we're very close to being completed. Because the, the mortgage process like takes a long time. It's mm -hmm. a pain in the butt. And we're just waiting on one last piece of paper to come in that says that we're good to go. So just a waiting game at this point. Yeah. But it's, it's all worked out. Oh yeah. It's been great. Like I remember our first mortgage that we got with the first home that we bought um, was a nightmare. This mortgage lender was terrible. He was not very clear with us. And every week he would send us like a new thing that we had to do. And it just felt like it's such a long time. <laughs> it was so painful. Every week he'd be like, yeah, can I get all, every history and copy of all of your bank accounts? <laughs> it was just like, what? And then the week after it would be like, can I have every pay stub from all of your jobs that you've ever worked? And we're just like, what? <laughs> and like all this stuff. But this guy has been awesome. He's just, the very first email I got from him was like, hey, like this is what I need. I need all this stuff. And just, just check away at it and then give it to me when you can and mm -hmm. then we're good to go. And then we did and then it's been, been very good. Seems like a straight shooter compared to the other guy. The other guy. Yeah. Much better. So that's my happy. Don't you love that? No BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason why, because the other guy, the bad guy was 
commission base. So he wanted to get money off of us. Um, and because initially we went with him because he promised us that the best interest rate. But then when we actually went through the process, he like bumped it up by like a ton, mm-hmm. um, even more than like typically, you know, what's what the market looks like. He mm-hmm. bumped it up higher just so he could get his money, you know, and it was just like really messed up. So, so we're looking pretty good with this one. When you're inauthentic like that, you're doing it for selfish gain. You could see it a mile away. Yeah. And I had a lot of like tough conversations with him saying like, listen, like we're going to leave. And I would love to see you as a third party, like a fly on the wall with those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Little crabby Josh saying you're trying to steal money out of my pockets. <laughs> Anyways. We can envision what that looks like. (laughs) I can only imagine. (laughs) Well, there you go. It's time for the news. This is kind of not a new thing but it's still developing. And I think that it's as good a time as ever to talk about this. So there is an increase in Chinese military activity near Taiwan. Mm. What I have noticed is that U.S. officials, also former Taiwanese military leaders and security experts, they say that Taiwan needs to be more proactive, uh, proactive more so that they may be able to inflict enough damage or be on the defensive enough to avoid some type of invading force with China. So, um, you know, until help arrives. Um, So my prediction, in my opinion, is that within the next one to six years, China will be invading Taiwan. I don't know. I kind of want to get your thoughts on uh, what you know of China at this point in time, just so we can make a nice intro for it. Well, I guess all that I've heard is that they've really been upping their game with military stuff and they're trying to push that. I don't know. I think their budget is, has been increasing for military spending and they've been growing quite a bit. Now, I don't think they've surpassed us yet. No. But they, you always hear that in the news, right? Like everyone's discussing like, oh, when will China surpass America? You know, um, yeah. in all aspects. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not like incredibly versed in Chinese military or history, but um, I think I've, that's kind of what I've heard through the grapevine is that they've, they're definitely getting a little more militarized. Yeah. Well, in comparing just simply China and Taiwan, because there is deep-seated underlying animosity towards the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in Chinese case, because I believe that they have a big ego and that's why they want... Taiwan so badly, but more on that later. Uh, comparing Do, the two, um, yeah. They don't have Taiwan, right? They don't, they no. don't control it. They, they broke over. away in the Chinese Civil War back in That's like right. 1949. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the current state of China, they have 100 times more ground forces than Taiwan and also 25 times the military budget of wow. Taiwan. And Taiwan, economically speaking, they're a powerhouse and military, they don't mess around. Um, mm-hmm. But um, to give you some context, Li Ximeng, who is the former um, chief of general staff at Taiwan, um, they believe that they need more assets for Taiwan to wage some type of guerrilla warfare. You know, they need more resources such as sea mines uh, and portable rocket launchers in order to abate 
any um, military conflict or at least defend themselves rather well. Um, so, um, you know, it seems to be there are more enemies on all sides. Um, right. Now, is, ta is Taiwan, um, what kind of like uh, geography is Taiwan? Is it kind of like Vietnam or it's kind of like jungly? Do I don't really, um, they're an island. Mm. So, yeah. um, I don't know if they're like a jungle because it's talking about guerrilla warfare. I'm assuming that would be you would have, you, if, it's, if, it, if it's guerrilla warfare, then they have to have some type of area too high because the first ever guerrilla warfare that we learned about in high school, it would be from the Vietnamese. Right. Because well, even the, uh, well, here, you know, the American revolution, right? So oh, yeah. They, they knew how to do that because that was actually something. <laughs> if we're Tarantino-ing about the American Revolution. <laughs> no, this, this is great. Uh, the American revolutionaries, they fought so revolutionary compared to uh, the British soldiers uh, who were used to a more organized, you draw your weapons, you fire, everybody together fires, and then you go to reload. And they thought that the revolutionaries would do that, but no, they would press forward while they were uh, reloading their weapons and that's how they were um, able to amass so many victories later on um, so it was some type of um, I can't even I can't say it without saying revolutionary because I'm being redundant right now because it was uh, I got, I'm really at a loss for my vocabulary today it's okay <laughs> but anyway back to uh, back to Taiwan and, um, and China <laughs> Um, the U.S., like tying them into it, the Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, um, he verbally committed to helping Taiwan should there ever be an attack by China. But hmm. here's the real kicker. When asked about, you know, their relationship with China, what they would do if such an attack were to happen, they decl he declined to say that the U.S., what they would do if China were to attack Taiwan, because in my opinion, looking at like a lot, they've been having this long-standing tradition, the United States have this long-standing tradition of keeping the U.S. government sort of neutral, but keeping mm. it ambiguous. Uh, so, you know, not to show any type of particular favor towards yeah, China. Allegiances, and alliances. Yeah. yeah. So they can you yeah. know, sway the conflict. But uh, looking now, um, just starting yesterday, what Taiwan has been doing uh, starting yesterday, they've been running like a series of uh, like exercises, mostly computer simulated starting off, but I think it's moving in July towards like actual live exercises. It's meant to play out like cyber attacks and psychological warfare and like actual uprisings because there are pro-Chinese people in Taiwan. You know, the mm. devils are inside the walls, um, or at least that's what I'm hearing. Again, like warning bells. It's just like, it's, it's perfect timing. Uh, you know, they're trying to, uh, Taiwan is at least reviewing all possible known strategies that known strategies, because, you know, uh, anything could happen. Scenarios of like Chinese attacks. Um, yeah, they know. And if they know, Chinese know. And if the US knows, yeah. China knows. Yeah, yeah, it's very true, very true. It's crazy. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with all this? I, I could definitely, yeah, like I said, like I feel like China is like fixing to do something, get something going here because they're they have the the manpower. Now, obviously, Taiwan is like you said is well equipped. 
to handle such conflicts mm -hmm. but you know you can't deny the numbers mm -hmm. like oftentimes it feels like china's such a big force like you know how mm -hmm. could it possibly be stoppable but we've seen this in the past right largest population actually no I'm, I'm that's that's kind of a lie it's one of the largest populations um but if china did invade taiwan mm -hmm. which security now, what other what are um what are like Taiwan's allies? Do you know? I guess we are we an ally. I would say that we are. Mm -hmm. um, what if they have other allies? I think they do have other allies too, and I I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself too. But the problem is, the global economy depends on Taiwan mm -hmm. um, for reasons that I did not know until I had to research this. We depend on them for semiconductor chips that they mm -hmm. manufacture. Now it's not like a monopoly um that they have on them but they are a major player you know yeah um, well they i know that they're also huge in manufacturing you know yeah um, just exporting all their stuff mm -hmm. yes um and if shipments get blocked say that like there is some type of uh invasion that happens or a blockade if shipments get blocked we are in big trouble because what do we do we depend on the little freaking screens ipads iphones um and so if that's to happen you know all this animosity between um, China and Taiwan, it's only a matter of time before the um, something were to happen, um, economically speaking. Right. Uh, Which could then, would, you know, would have an impact on everybody because of that. Mm -hmm. um, but after the Chinese Civil War, that I think the non-communists lost and they moved to Taiwan, um, and then I'm fast forwarding to the seventies, Beijing, uh, they committed to some sort of peaceful unity between, uh, China and Taiwan, but still stressed that military takeover was possible. Mm. Um, so if China did invade, which, you know, security experts have stated that like it could be in the next one to six years too. So aligning with my guess, um, China might actually have a hard time landing um, if they do it by sea, because right. they've got they've got this the Taiwan Strait is like a, a little over a hundred miles, and it's and it's rough like those seas are pretty rough, um, and they have all these things called mudflats would be where it would be hard to navigate. Um, but China, uh, they can exert pressure by still having this blockade around to block trade from the islands uh, around Taiwan as well, which they would like to capture. Um, plus also they can do it by air too, and we can't rule out that possibility. Right, right. Yeah, crazy. Um, I kind of already tiptoed into my opinion too, but uh, I'm feeling that China has a huge ego and that's why they want Taiwan so badly because they, uh, while they didn't really lose to Taiwan, they still lost it. They're obsessed with it. Um, so in first conversations that the U S had in the seventies, um, that kind of paved the way for, you know, Nixon's trip to China, which was a big freaking deal, uh, back then, um, China wanted the U S to cut off ties with Taiwan which was their price for like reproachment. And the US responded more so in favor of China, but they still have that, like that ambiguous relationship. Um, you know, it's just a huge ego thing for China. 
um, if I'm putting like just for our viewers uh, who are who who might seem confused because I talk my head off about this stuff. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Uh, imagine that Texas or Florida uh, broke away, became some type of like independent country, uh, and is antagonistic towards the rest of the other 49 states. Um, that state is backed by other countries, and it would drive the United States nuts. Just like how Taiwan is backed by other countries, it would drive China nuts. Um, all those persecuted communists, uh, non sorry, all those persecuted by communists in 1949 that moved to Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan's now a powerhouse economy uh, and military. Like I said before, they're not uh, they're strong too, not pushovers. So, um, and something that's really really scary about China, and how this has given me the clue that. China wants Taiwan. They built a full-scale replica of the Taiwanese presidential palace. They conduct military exercises about how to conquer it. Well, <laughs> that's how I know that they want it so badly. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. How about that? Yeah, I guess they're kind of obsessed over it, huh? They want it back. Yeah, but uh, in, in addition to other things that China has also been doing, uh, they have animosity towards Japan. Um, we've also heard a little bit about the, the Uyghur Muslims that they've been rounding up too. Mm. Have you heard about that? Mm. They're uh, rounding up Muslims? Yeah. Oh. In trains. Yikes. <laughs> That's not good. But that's kind of a their relationship with Japan and the Uyghur Muslims. That's a story for another time. Right. Um, mainly because I'd like to have another conversation about that when I've researched a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. We always I see end, what you did we there. always we always end our news kind of dismal. We've got we haven't really gone like maybe dismal news. But America is stronger than any other country, baby. Take that, China. <laughs> For long, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm really, I'm really the dismal downer one. Yeah, the Debbie Downer. <laughs> have you ever seen Debbie Downer from oh, uh, SNL? I can't have children. <laughs> yeah, she laughs. And yeah, it's some of one of the best breaks in history. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon always breaks. Oh, he does. Yeah. But now he fake laughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the word on the street. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> the future is inevitable, but let's travel back in time. April 28th, day that this is dropping. April 28th, 1945. Benito Mussolini Ooh. of Italy and Mistress Clara Patacci were executed by Italian partisans as attempting to flee the country. They were attempting to flee the country. Um, and I'll get more into that a little bit. After losing. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, and going bankrupt, essentially. So mm. forces loyal to the Italian king um, imprisoned him months and months before this. Um, and then he escaped. Eventually, at first, Nazi forces were not going to rescue him. Mm. Uh, Hitler was still alive, of course, at this point. Um, mm. But eventually they they did he escaped prison mussolini 
and conferred with Hitler and then came back uh, to Italy and suppressed all this opposition when returning to Italy. And by 1945, Italy was broke. Mussolini wanted to exile himself, thought it'd be best. Um, so he wore a Nazi disguise in order to get back to, um, I, I forget if he was trying to escape to just Germany, but he was mm. discovered because even though he had that Nazi disguise, he had very prominent facial features, you know, a very prominent yeah. jaw. Um, and so he was hung and same with his mistress, Clara. Uh, and I actually wanted to show the picture too, because my grandfather, this isn't his picture, but we do have it framed. Uh, mm. but it's, it's a very famous one because it was hanged, uh, right in broad daylight. Um, mm. and I would have to say that this picture right here is just, it's tremendous. Um, not, not like it's like, oh, great, somebody died, but it's just, it's such a very interesting uh, time in history. Uh, can you see that screen? Mm -hmm. So Mussolini on the left and Clara on the right, right here. In this crowd, my grandfather was there because he oh, was wow. fighting uh, in Africa, I believe, and also fighting in Italy uh, for a little bit as well. And he actually took a picture very similar to this one where everyone was celebrating because um, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, the Italian partisans had actually um, were the ones who were the spearheading in, uh, in this, but everybody was celebrating this because he'd grown unpopular. Right. Well, so yeah. Crazy. That's brutal. So was he shot and then hung like that? To my or does this, this is kill him. I'm not entirely sure because it shows like a wound right here. I mean, it looks mm -hmm. like a room. I can't, I can't tell if it was a stabbing or a gunshot but I'd, I'd have to look that one up. I could, mm. um, but while you're, uh, while you're uh, looking that up uh, or telling me your uh, historical moment, I'll look it up. Okay. So my <laughs> timeline for today. So April 28th, 1985. Uh -huh. Joseph, do you, do you know much about sandcastles? Um, I, I can never successfully make one. Mm. People most have of the you, time just bury me. <laughs> but have you ever tried it? Head first. You, head first. <laughs> just your feet are hanging out. Um, well, this person, okay, a sculptor by the name of Todd Vanderplum. Yeah. Okay, Todd Vanderplum in 1985 created the largest sandcastle in the world. Huh. Okay. Now, I think since then it's been surpassed, but this held the record for 30 years, 30 or 40 years. Okay. Okay. Since in 1985. Do you have news on Benito? How was Benito killed? Pretty sure it was by bullets. He, um, it says seven bullets, right? No, it says nine bullets. Yeah. Ooh. Four so bullets if... right near the heart. Yeah. That was the main cause of death. I would think so. <laughs> Generally, have you ever, if anyone's shot nine times, they're probably not, not doing well. <laughs> um, have you ever been able to, back to the sandcastles, have you ever successfully uh, created a sandcastle? Remember when we went to the beach? Yeah. But we couldn't, we couldn't make one on that beach, though, because it was really rocky. Remember we had Eli? <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting time. So, yeah, 1985, Tom Vanderplume. He built the largest, the world's largest sandcastle in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. 
this day in history in Florida, okay? He called it Blue Beard's Castle, okay? It was a whopping castle. four stories. Four stories. 40 feet Why do you call it Blue Beard's? Was there like a, a, Pos a Poseidon <laughs> statue, a sand statue? <laughs> I have no idea, but um, I have a picture of it. I'll show you in a little bit. Sure. Okay, so that's kind of the neat thing. So it took a team of 500 people, mm -hmm. 12 days to do this, okay and uh, it didn't rain at all uh it's florida so probably not um <laughs> i mean it might have maybe i had to fix it on some days set them back maybe. a couple days yeah, oh right. man we got to start again <laughs> yeah so it's it's almost 40 feet high it took them 12 days 500 people they had they used six front loaders to accomplish this okay and guess just if you were to guess how much sand they used in pounds, do you know how many how many pounds of sand could be built in a four-story structure? Joe, do you know? Uh, I'm not a sand expert. <laughs> do you, just your wild guess. I don't wild like guess. sand. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets it everywhere. gets everywhere. Well, I'll tell you, Joe. Okay. Four thousand tons of sand 4,000 tons you know how many pounds that is no eight million eight million pounds eight million pounds of sand <laughs> i was trying to crack a joke like every 60 seconds a minute passes <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but i couldn't <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so Amazing, amazing. I don't have a picture. I there wasn't a lot of pictures, only like one picture of it because for some right, reason right. no one thought to bring a camera on the beach. <laughs> but to see this amazing site, apparently it was destroyed like the next day or something. But it was it was open and like I think it was like two hundred thousand people went to see this in St. Petersburg. Um, and it, and most of the time it probably just had to have been word of mouth because you could only find finally see it on like mainstream news the, the next night if it was destroyed the the next right. day. Yeah. That's amazing, actually. I'm more impressed by that too. Bam. Look at that. That actually looks like a legit palace. I know. It's a castle. <laughs> this is a real sand castle. Let me see if I can zoom in. Oh. Look at that guy's Bud <laughs> Budweiser uh, flag. He <laughs> he wants to put that on top of the like the hill. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, no, they had a vendor. They were selling food and all the stuff. But isn't that amazing? Wow. Twelve days. This is the largest sandcastle. Well, yeah, largest sandcastle. Eight million pounds of sand. That's a lot of pounds. Wow. So, nineteen eighty-five. I applaud you. Look at those dad socks. <laughs> I know who's wearing socks. This, this could this beach. this if you put this photo in today, it would look exactly like you got all these dad, you know, outfits. <laughs> well, it's Florida, so <laughs> those high knee socks. All the old people. <laughs> that's all that's all Florida is, is old people in, in crazy methods. <laughs> Sorry to any Florida listeners out there. But you have to prove to me that it's not true because that's all I've heard is people commenting. <laughs> people commenting if you are actually from Florida or have been there more than uh, a week. Uh, if you can disprove that, we welcome it because I haven't been to Florida more than a right. week time. Joe, have you ever heard of the Florida man 
uh, test, that quiz? Oh, of course. So I, t- you- I try to look around for you know my birthday, yeah, see if birthday. like a, see, see to see like what happened on that day. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you on mine, I know, right? I took that test, and well, I don't know if the test equ- I, don't, I called it that, but I don't know. But yeah, you so see, you put your birthday in, and then you put Florida man afterward, and then you see what articles come up. Mine was somebody was riding an alligator, and then was eaten by the alligator. <laughs> the Florida man good stuff this i i love muhammad ali this is from april 28th 1967 yeah greatest boxer of all time in my view um and that's why his nickname was the greatest so muhammad ali on this day refused induction in the u.s army Mm -hmm. he he cited religious reasons because he had converted to um to islam a few years prior um and then this conviction was eventually overturned by the supreme court it went up uh there um But what happened was after he had refused induction, he was sentenced to five years in prison, fined about $10,000, um, and that he lost his belt. He was already the heavyweight champ by that point. Couldn't box for three years. Um, He stayed out of prison successfully, uh, and his case was appealed. Then in, after three years, you know, in 1970, he had come back and fought in Atlanta where he could fight. Uh, I think you could fight there early, uh, according because uh, I saw the Ali movie with uh, Will Smith. Great movie, uh, slow in some respects, but still pretty good. Will Smith, mm-hmm. he he played he played it well. Will Smith, he knocked out Jerry Quarry um, in the third round um, for being a like three years out. Good on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fight of the century it was dubbed quote unquote. He fought Joe Frazier first time. Mm-hmm. They fought three times uh, total, but this was their first fight. 15 round grueling fight, won by decision. Uh, Ali in 1971, he, uh, he got knocked down in the 14th, or I think it was the 14th. Uh, and uh, Joe Frazier, uh, he won that fight because it was, it was very back and forth. Ali wasn't his usual, you know, fighting self where he was a lot quicker on his feet he had started doing his whole rope-a-dope thing where Mm -hmm. he hung by the ropes obviously uh in order to get joe frazier tired uh 15 rounds is a long time 15 times three three minutes uh rounds plus like the minute on the 45 yeah we'll probably uh, but uh yeah ali lost that fight uh by decision and then the u.s supreme court overturned his conviction so and he won back the belt from uh, George Foreman. That's right. Same George Foreman that re- created the George Foreman grill. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Muhammad Ali doing his thing. Mm-hmm. One of the legends, some sports legends. Yeah. Guy got Parkinson's too. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, and he in Atlanta, of all places, where we had the Atlanta games in uh, 96, if you take a look at the footage of him passing the torch to light the uh, the beacon uh when he holds like the uh the uh holds the fire he's like shaking when he Mm. does it uh because obviously he hadn't had parkinson's for about 12 years at that point it's tough man it's tough that's a tough uh, disease but he was a tough guy he he died um not too long ago um in the 2010s, I don't know the exact date. Joe Frazier died around that time too. 
Hmm. Um, biggest rivalry. I love boxing. Entertainment. Where's the entertainment, guys? This might be uh, a little bit controversial because a lot of people don't really know what the first indie album was, but we're talking about Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram. Hmm. This album came out in May of... 1971 so it's 50th anniversary is coming up thought we'd talk about it a little bit early um yeah almost 50 years ago um which by the way we also just listened to our reaction we have a reaction on our new patreon page so please become a patron uh we just reacted to admiral halsey uncle albert admiral halsey on patreon so make sure become a patron and we will see you guys there. Yeah, and you know this stuff really helps us out. It'll encourage us in, in you know the desire to keep this going and it make really it awesome. Content. Yeah, exactly. We we would love to do that. So consider becoming a patron. But then also just listening right now, you know, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell icon, you know, hit a like, leave a comment, and follow us on our Instagram at Dealing Grounded Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Joe. So we just, yeah, like, like Joe said, we just listened to um, Uncle, Uncle Albert, Albert Admiral, Admiral Halsey from Ram. And it was pretty dope. It was great. Yeah. So listen to us uh, on there for our full length reaction. Um, but now on Ram, on the concept of Ram, like if you just think of that title, it sounds so tough. Built for tough. I guess that is we're, one we're, thinking, we're thinking Ram, <laughs> the, uh, Dodge. <laughs> the Dodge Ram, with that, that <laughs> tough guy, that mustache handlebar guy. I know that voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. Ghost Rider. Yeah, go Ghost Rider. Dodge Ram. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So, so what would classify like an indie album? You mean just like independently produced, or do you mean like, like the type of music? Hard to say because not a lot of people have a simple, straight answer. It could be. Uh, indie means independently. Uh, that was always my, my take on it was that it was something that you know just kind of that didn't really belong with like a you know stream. Uh, yeah, or like even just like a typical contract with a recording company or um, music group or, or whatever it is, and then they kind of just release themselves and mm-hmm. have their own genre and have their own type of music. And I think it kind of goes without saying that indie albums should also be experimental as well. Um, just in their delivery of their message, what is their album trying to be? Like, I would say also that something really experimental, but not necessarily indie, because these guys were very uh, pop oriented, were the Who's Tommy. Uh, I would have to say that that's pretty experimental as a first rock opera, but it's still very Mm -hmm. pop oriented. This, not so much. It's hard to pinpoint down what an indie album is, because it makes like there's just so much that you could say an indie album is. Um, yeah. I've only listened to Ram like a couple songs before coming to this. Uh, we had obviously Admiral Halsey, Uncle Albert. Uh, Too Many People is another good song from uh, Ram. Uh, Backseat of My Car. Um Apparently another day is on there as well. That's uh, but that's more pop oriented. I think that was a single. Mm-hmm. I think you can hear another day. You remember the movie Fifty First Dates? Mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore. Um, another day, like because she, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she she keeps reliving the same day until she meets Adam Sandler. 
Um, yeah, um, story goes with McCartney. I think he had released just about um, 51 years ago, uh, the first McCartney album. It's told people that he broke up with the Beatles, uh, even though it was John who did it. McCartney uh, released his first solo album. He, I think in his apartment, he had recorded it because uh, he needed something to do and he was kind of depressed about, you know, being without his other three lads. Um, but then recorded Ram on like a farm with Lynn. Yeah, I was, was going to say, like, wasn't this one recorded at like a, was it like a barn, like a yeah. barn space, like a studio? Yeah. Now, was it him, one that he owned? Was like a ranch or something that he owned? Or? Seems like it. Yeah, there's footage of him being on the ranch with Linda and mm. her kids. Um, and um, nice. yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, and uh, so one thing I will mention is, you know, when we talk about older stuff is, is um, I love the use of the space, like, like the whole spectrum of the sound scope of like panning of left and right and center and uh one thing that always kind of draws me into um a lot of like older songs you know from 50 years ago and plus is how they use that space mm -hmm. and you know i i, lo I love that i love that because today everything is just kind of at you and it's everywhere um and i feel like back then it was so so specifically placed yeah. because of, of, of what they were working with. They didn't have just like a, a base, you know, an 808 base that just filled out the whole space and just thickened everything. Mm -hmm. They would just like put it in different channels and different sides, mm -hmm. different areas within. Um, and as a result, like they were able to kind of make this scene, mm -hmm. you know, happening where there's a piano here and then all the drum the drums are kind of like circling around you and then you mm -hmm. have the guitar electric guitar on the left and you got the acoustic guitar on the right and you kind of have this you like it's like you're there at a concert seeing all this happen when it's yeah. like intelligently done with just physical instruments that they're mm -hmm. recording as opposed to just you know putting in midis and working with electric kits and all this stuff right uh the drum pad the more tracks that they were able to have in the late 60s, I think that they were able to use that whole panning into one headphone to their advantage. Because, you know, at first they would have to record them all at the same time with only like four track tape um, back in like right. your, as late as uh, the early 60s. Um, but you're right, it was so atmospheric. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, another fact I did not even know until we were beginning to talk about this a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. um, the other three Beatles, you know, basically criticized Paul McCartney with this album, Ram. Really? It was it was not well received, this album. Not oh. by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it, it, it's kind of like Marty McFly. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. It, yeah, seems, yeah, yeah. it seems like this album has more of a following now. And I heard Paul McCartney say this. It's like he was really broken up that this album was not very well received because he put a lot of heart and soul into it um just because of how radical it was um but yeah all three of all three Beatles said this album was crap wow. uh even Ringo of all people said this like and he's like I don't know what's going on with him because if you think about it I think I had to look up the other release dates you know George Harrison's um 
All Things Must Pass just released before this album. Ringo's solo album, which did pretty well, just released. Uh, John's uh, Plastic Ono Band just released a, a year before, uh, or maybe around the time of Ram. But uh, yeah, and Paul McCartney and him were kind of waging, you know, basically the first diss tracks towards each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, with I think John released like "How Do You Sleep," to, directed at McCartney. I think "Too Many People" was also directed at John, at his you know preachy, you know, bed stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other the other Beatles didn't like it. But there's more of an appreciation for this album, which is really really cool. I think that kind of just speaks to the testament of an indie album. Yeah, and I feel like oftentimes that happens. You know, whatever there's something that's kind of new and whatever. Uh, a lot of people don't really receive it too well and you know initially comes out you know I think about like cool classic movies you know like movies that come out and everyone's like oh like what is this but then 20 30 40 years later it, it's huge and people are really following yep. yeah you, you get that cool following where people are like oh this is crap at first but then you know years later everyone's like oh this is the best thing ever you guys just didn't understand it and like you know whatever <laughs> we we are confirming hipsters right now that your feelings are valid how, how do you feel now <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. I'm into that. We want you all to subscribe to Feeling Grounded podcast on YouTube, become a Patreon pa- patron on Patreon, and also follow us on Instagram at Feeling Grounded Podcast. This channel, this podcast is only going to expand further and further. We want to actually have you guys have a dialogue with us on any video that we have or on any medium, whether it be Instagram, YouTube, Patreon. Ask us any question. And we will get back to you. We're going to actually make sure that on our Q&A sections, whenever that is, we will make sure that we answer your questions. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. And then in the future, Joe, do you want to drop news about possibly being on other platforms? Or do you want to yeah. save that for Like I said, more to come. There is actually going to be a huge storm coming, people. And you don't even know. Don't even know. More to come about other mediums. But you've got questions? You're feeling grounded.